Awesome. Uh, well, dude, let's let's get into this. Um, also, uh, Dwayne, right, dude? Good job getting into those schools, man. And then also, Patrick, dude, congrats on like uh, your second biggest day with Mother's Day. That's a big deal, man. That's awesome. It's okay to celebrate that kind of stuff. Um, so, man, there's so much we could do and a lot to talk about. So I'm going to just kind of dip my toe in a few different thoughts. And then honestly, like you guys, um, the reality is like everybody's at different kind, like locations, places, cultures, like churches are the same, but they're different. Right. And so I'd love to just get into some Q and a like as fast as we can. Um, but let me tell you a little bit more, uh, about me and like my heart for youth ministry and young adult ministry. I've been doing both for a little over a decade now. Um, and it truthfully was birthed like out of just being like, I'm like a poster child for, uh, for just a kid that got invited to a church. Right. Like you guys have events, hopefully you have a youth group and they have some kind of, you know, a handful of events each year and, uh, you know, where kids can invite their friends. Well, like I am that kid. I got invited to a youth group whenever I was 14 and uh, I didn't want to go. I was like this awkward, goofy, broken skater kid in like eighth grade, freshman year of high school. And, uh, and my friend Ben, I don't even know how he got into our friend group, but he was there and he was like, bro, you need to come to my church with me. And I was like, no, like, why would I do that? Because the only church background I had was like, my grandma was in a bell choir in like a small town Methodist church. And I just knew it was boring and I didn't want to go. Right. And like, that was my experience as like a little kid. I was like, dude, I don't want to go to your church. And they had this big youth event. There was like a mechanical bull and free cheese fries and, you know, stuff like that. Right. And so I, I ended up going and was like, you know, this isn't as bad as I thought it would be because I, they let me skateboard in the parking lot as much as I wanted. There was cheese fries, right. Which there is like the Holy spirit works through cheap, disgusting food. Okay. Never forget that. If you want to feed them, you have to feed them. Right. Uh, you want to feed them here? You got to feed them here. Like, uh, it's so because of the, 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 dude, the cheese fries, like I, there was friends from school that were there, people I knew and recognized. And um, so it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. And I actually kept going back to this youth group. And dude, the Holy Spirit does what the Holy Spirit does. And slowly but surely pulling me into a new atmosphere, right? My guard starts coming down. I start being curious about worship, right? I start listening to the the sermons from my, you know, frosty tipped buff guy with a tight shirt, youth pastor, right? And, uh, and man, I, I just remember being like 14, 15 years old and like some of the first stuff the Holy Spirit like spoke to me. It was just like, like, I, it was like, I don't know who I am, but I know I'm not who I'm supposed to be, Right. And uh, man, just had like a, a radical moment, you know, your, your typical salvation call, I'm going to count to three. And if you want to give your life to Jesus, if you want something to be different, come down here right now. And man, I'm freaking a freshman in high school with like skinny jeans and like weird hair. And I just don't even, I just run down, man. I start crying because I like, desperately wanted my life to be different, you know, and, uh, and all that came 
from uh, someone invited me to their youth group, you know, and now I'm a youth pastor, right? Like I kept going to that youth group. Um, I went on my first youth camp. I went on my first missions trip. I uh, did some skits on stage, right? Like I, I like came into myself in that youth group. And then, uh, man, when I was 17, a couple years later, um, just felt in this, it was at a retreat, right? And like never stopped doing camps and retreats, right? Like there's not more Holy Spirit. There's not more Jesus at camps and retreats. When you have like that breakaway moment and it gets kids out of their norm. And then you have like an expectation of like, I don't know what's going to happen, but something's going to happen. Like camps and retreats, like more kids are called to ministry, more kids' lives are changed, more kids have just wild impact from the kingdom at camps and retreats. So I'm at this retreat and just, it was the only time anything like this has ever happened, but was just floored by the presence of God. And that is the time that I say, like the Lord um, put a fire in my bones and like a burden in my heart to do ministry. And so now, you know, that was when I was, you know, 14, 15, 16, 17. Now I'm 32 and uh, I'm a youth pastor, man. I'm a youth and young adults pastor. And uh, dude, God is just so good. And without an invite to a youth group, we have no Andrew as a youth pastor. And so, uh, man, I'm so passionate about young people and getting them to encounter the presence of God and how real God is. And so starting that off, I want to give you just a little bit of background there. Um, my heart, like some stuff I want to share with you guys, it, my heart for ministry with young people is, is Psalm 105. Um, it just says, for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Mm. And that's huge. And uh, I've got a lot of stuff. Uh, we can work through some Gen Z overview. Um, we can work through some young adult philosophy and approach. But uh, guys, honestly, if you want like a polished leadership lesson, I'm so not your guy. But I'll just give you the the gritty side of like why ministry still matters for young people. And like, I'm so over hearing how lost this generation is, right? That like the world is just coming to an end and like it's crumbling. The world has always been bad. Like read your Bible, you know, <laughs> like go back through and like, oh, actually this seems worse. You know, like there's some stuff in here that like it's, it's again, there's nothing new under the sun. Right. And so um, I love that verse that it says, you know, his love endures forever and his faithfulness continues through all generations. And that tells me that God has something designed and specific for each generation. There is no such thing as a lost generation. There is no such thing as a hopeless generation. Every generation tends to disrupt whatever generation came before it, right? Like the hippies, the hippies ruined everything until they didn't, right? Like the hippies were just like, oh, what's going, you know, like, uh, you know, I even have this, this Time Magazine, like Jesus Revolution cover up here, because that was you know, back whenever all the hippies started giving their lives to Christ and there was this complete revolution, this complete revival of all these people that were chasing false freedoms, found that they were just held captive and then they pursued true freedom in Christ, right? And like, I think we're about due for something very similar. So uh, it's our responsibility as shepherds, man, as ministers 
if God is faithful through each generation, it is up to us to call out and find how he's going to be faithful, like what God's doing in each generation. Like no one is too far gone. And honestly, we need a little bit of disruption here and there uh, to shake up how we do things. Um, uh, I wrote this down. Um, so each generation, uh, as disruptive as they may be, uh, are called to exist as who they are and when they are. Um, is it possible that God knows that the world needs waves of disruption to keep our eyes on him? And is it possible that he uses the generations to do it? Um, you know, you, you have the, like, like I'm a millennial to the core. I love single origin, slow bar coffee. I love charcuterie. I love small business. I love local honey. I love causing problems and starting arguments that I can't finish. I love, you know, like, like uh, I love deconstructing, like, like I'm such a millennial. Okay. Um, millennials started getting called really entitled. Right. And I would say that that has multiplied with how we see Gen Z right now. Uh, they're, they're so entitled and, and, and they are, they're entitled to everything God has for them. They are entitled. And if we don't, if we don't, maneuver and learn how to shift some of that entitlement like they want things but they're going to want things that aren't kingdom minded if we don't show them how to take what's in them and make it kingdom minded like it's not good to tell any generation hey uh you're you're just wrong you know what i mean it's our job to 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 sharpen um you know, Ephesians 2.10, we're God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago, right? And that's the same for the traditionalists. It's the same for the boomers, the hippies, the rockers, the rebels, the free thinkers, your generation, my generation, like young adult generation, kids generation. And we can't stifle uh, Then We have to navigate them towards the one that created them for here and now. Um, so uh, just to quick line like um uh, you, you have to be slow to be disheartened by what hasn't been sharpened and it's so easy to get mad because of the inconvenience young people bring but that is that is like a shepherd getting mad that he has sheep that don't do everything he says when he says it and you're like that's not how sheep work right and uh, uh so don't don't be disheartened by what hasn't been sharpened like we have mountains of gold but somebody's got to hit the rocks to to get in and find the gold right um a couple other thoughts um well let's see where to go um oh man my phone closed out hold on one second there it is um i love what uh what the lord says to jeremiah um in, in chapter one, he says, you know, he says, uh, Jeremiah says, sovereign Lord, I, I can't speak for you. I'm too young. Right. Like imagine, imagine telling God you can't do something he's asking you to do. Right. Um, he said, I can't speak for you. I'm too young. The Lord replied, don't say I'm too young for you must go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you. Don't be afraid of the people. Um, for I'll be with you and protect you. I, the Lord, have spoken. And um, you guys have probably heard this, this line keeps getting a little more cliche, but like there is no junior Holy Spirit. Like they're not just kids in a, in a youth program, right? 
And I don't know what youth or young adult ministry looks like in your church, but I hope that it's something that um, is resourced well. I hope it's something that is staffed well or that volunteers are serving well in and that it's much more than just a uh, um, like a placeholder or like a, a, a babysitting compartment or like a keep them entertained while we do big church. You know, I, I pray that that's not uh, where you're at. It's okay if it is, but I just want to challenge you to say like, listen, what the Lord can do through young people is absolutely insane, uh, especially a submitted young person, a, a surrendered heart. They are crazy. The, listen, I, I got guys who they all they want to do is get on the church roof. Okay. Right. And at, at some point I can be like, Hey, this, like, you're an idiot. Please don't do that. But like, take that, that like, uh, I don't want to say it like ambitious, like zeal just to do something risky for no reason. Take that and put Jesus behind it and they'll go do anything. They are uh, like, I can't, I pray for the day that we see a public high school flipped upside down for the name of Jesus, because it can still happen. If Jonah, the reluctant prophet who just like bailed on Nineveh because he hated them, right? If he still in his wild journey back, went into a town, dropped a five word message and 120,000 people repented and turned to the Lord. Don't tell me that a young person who's willing and surrendered can't go into a public high school and start something that is unstoppable. You know what I mean? Like cities and schools can still get flipped upside down. And uh, uh, man, like I believe God wants to do it. And I believe he wants to do it where you are. I believe there is a move of God happening in the city that you are in. And I hope that your church is an epicenter for it. A um, couple other thoughts, then I'd love just to have some dialogue, but um, uh, just some sort of approach and philosophy thoughts with, with youth ministry. Um, youth ministry needs stability and consistency more than it needs trendiness and coolness. Like you just don't need we're so far past like the entertainment wave of like early 2000s youth, youth ministry. Like if you don't have 15 PS fives and if you're not giving away like air Jordans every week, that's okay. It doesn't matter. You know why? Cause that stuff doesn't do anything for anyone's heart and whether they verbalize it, verbalize it or not, like they know that like you may have kids come to win a flat screen TV, but that flat screen TV didn't change their life, you know? And they want real more than they want trendiness. And they want, it's, it's like uh, uh, realness over talent, realness over trendiness, authenticity over showmanship, 10 times out of 10, no matter what your budget is, no matter what the staffing looks like, um, stability and consistency too, because now more than ever, dude, young people are living in such an inconsistent um, world where they don't know who to believe, who can be trusted, what they actually belong to, um, who they belong to, and just to be at a healthy youth ministry that like, as life does this, 
like you're always right here. And as they pass through your doors, as they attend or they leave or they come through or they don't. And if they've got, hey, they've got identity issues, great. They've got relationship issues, great. They've got attitude issues, great. They've got mental health issues, great. But here you are as stable, consistent ground. We are not here to fix every problem within teenagers. We are here to present the gospel to teenagers. We are here to get them engaged in the presence of God with the people of God, belonging to something bigger than themselves and just be a stable place. Now, that is a way less uh, attractive model, right? Um, it, it doesn't, I don't know, I could give you five strategies for better youth events, I guess, but that's not really what matters. Know your kids, love them well, meet their needs, let their ideas come alive in your youth ministry, right? Like, even thinking out loud, I remember having a meeting with um, my my volunteer team um, years ago, and the uh, worship team was like, "Man, these kids, bah, like they just they're not engaged, right? Like they just don't they don't want to worship, you know? They just they're so mad, like they don't pay attention, you know? And uh, and we just kind of sat there of like, what do we do? Because we feel like our kids aren't engaging with our service, and then we all realized like. Oh, that's because we are leading our thing and expecting them to meet the needs of our service, right? Or like of our youth programming. Um, and we're doing a terrible job at meeting their needs, like meeting them where they are, right? And so you guys understand, like, there's no rule book for how to run a youth service. Like, you don't have to do welcome, three songs, announcements, message, closing prayer, more announcements like there doesn't have to be this like there's not a, a guidebook for for you know no matter what size church we all have i bet i bet our youth services look kind of the same and uh uh break the rules seriously break the rules figure out what your kids need figure out what you what they want to do like um shepherd them well like we just had a meeting the other day and i said i want to be way better listeners and shepherds more than I want to be good event planners. You know, like I don't want to be a professional event planner. I just want to be a healthy shepherd and I want them to always know I'm here to help and here to guide, you know, um, with young adult ministry though, it's really different. Um, youth ministry is a lot like being in uh, a cage full of puppies, right? It's really exciting and a little overwhelming and kind of stinky, Right. Um, young adult ministry is like being in a house of cats. Like, you know, they're there. You like them. You think they like you. You don't want to move too fast or they'll leave. You know, you're not sure which ones you can get close to, which ones are the nice ones, which ones are the evasive ones. Like, you know, they all, <laughs> they all have way more opinions. <laughs> they all, have, you know. Um, with young adult ministry though, so youth ministry, just real big, like stability, consistency, um, with young adult ministry, uh, this gets overused a lot too, but like safe place, young adult ministry is probably one of the most underrepresented ministries, uh, in the, in the big church, capital C church. And uh, I think that's still because it's fairly new that the rise of young adult ministry has really come through the last, you know, 15 years or so. Um, it used to just be like, hey, you know, 
grow up and go to big church. <laughs> you know, like you're an adult, who cares? Like go. Um, but uh, here's what I would submit to you for young adult ministry. If you have young adult ministry, or if you don't have, if you don't have young adult ministry, um, find a way to start having conversations about starting one. Um, with young adult ministry, you have a really unique opportunity to teach and, and create an atmosphere that people can really wrestle with what they believe and where they're at with a faith, with like their own faith walk. Okay. Cause what happens, um, and again, this is speaking observation only from my, uh, very small repertoire of life experience, but I feel like um, when you just get thrust into adulthood, um, you're not really an adult. You know, I remember I used to think that 19 years old, 20 years old, like that's a grown person, right? No. Um, when you're in your 20s, you're like, doing your best at winging it as a grown person and hoping no one calls you out on it. Like you still feel like young you, but you're like, I know I'm older and I have responsibilities and I need to have like articulate thoughts about life and things and, you know, like work and what I, you know, whatever. Right. And, and if we, if we don't create like a, almost like this, uh, I call it like the neighborhood cul-de-sac, right? Like you got to learn how to ride a bike like safe neighborhood cul-de-sac where it's okay to fall down. Like it's easy to just take this hodgepodge mix of things you've heard along the way throughout life. And then you inadvertently build your entire faith system off of that. And that is what creates rigid uptight church people 30 years later. Like the people you got one, I don't, I'm not trying to judge your congregation i'm sure they're all wonderful but i guarantee you you got one to five people that are just like a headache for you or anytime you present something that challenges what they believe or where they're at with their faith like they you get email after email right or you know whatever like like they're they're it's so easy for faith to become like like a bookshelf right and it becomes this thing of like, these are some things we've picked up along the way and some stuff that my life experience is based out of. And now I protect it and don't move too fast and don't touch it and don't knock anything over and don't alter anything. And, and that becomes what our faith walk is of like just this bookshelf we're trying to protect and like nobody mess with it instead of this like malleable, constantly formative thing. Um, and, and I do think that that's what creates really rigid uptight church people later. And so young adult ministry being a place where you can poke at scripture and mess with like contemplative thought and doubt and like, who is God? Why is he this way? Why does this verse say what it says? Like, like safe space to basically go, what the heck is actually happening in here? And where am I at with it? You know, because um, if we don't do that, like hot take but christianity seems to me to be a lot more about closeness than correctness and like we accidentally keep teaching people like just do it right and believe it right and then you're good it's like that's not really 
what it is. It's, it's, it's intimacy and closeness with God. It's intimacy and closeness through pain and through hurt and through question and through life and through hardship and through struggle and through suffering and through joy. And just like, it's not about just believe it right, do it right. Mm. You know, um, that's like a, that's just a gross gospel. But young adult ministry, I think, is the is just such a beautiful place to not just say that, but to start practicing that, right? And like safe space to mess with some ideas and to get into the soil and to mine out idols of the heart and to, you know, uh, work through some tough stuff together to figure out where you're really at, what you really believe um, and who your God really is and who you are in him. Um with that being said, um, I would challenge as well for your young adult ministries to not, it's so easy for them to get like hijacked and become like a sect of young adult ministry, um, like a singles group or like a college and career group or uh, a young marrieds or a young families or a young professionals, all of which exist within the weird spectrum of young adulthood. But I would challenge you to like, do what you can to keep the door open to all of those things and to not close it off. You know, just because someone is 25 married with a kid versus someone who's 25, just out of college, trying to figure out what they're going to do with their career. Like they're still two 25 year olds, you know, and uh, really pushing to get, you know, that 19 year old needs that 28 year old and honestly, vice versa. Um, they're all working through a lot of the same stuff, man. There's so many, I, I, I want to work so hard to get young people, students and young adults to just learn how to embrace God, God's presence, what he's about, what he's not about. And like that they can trust him. They don't have to be afraid of him. They don't have to, uh, like, like they can lament to him. They can be next to him in and out of every season. I just want to create intimacy more than I want to create good, like, copy and paste rule followers, you know. Um, anyway, I'll, I'll go ahead and, and, well, let me share one last thought and then I'll stop there. I've got uh, a bunch of stuff. If you want any info on just, like, Gen Z overview and kind of what makes them them, I've got a bunch of stuff on that, but we don't have to get into, uh, to all that, but, uh, you know, there's that story, um, where Jesus and his boys are walking and, uh, you know, Jesus curses the fig tree, right? We'll just skip to it. All right. You don't need another sermon. Um, when he curses this fig tree, like, um, if you look into like, it's like what a mood swing, right? Um, but it says that him, him and his disciples, like they were hungry, they're walking, they saw a fig tree in the distance and there was leaves on it. And if you look into fig trees, um, the figs grow like green uh, at first and the uh, figs would grow before the leaves would. Okay. And so if there's leaves on a fig tree, it's in good assumption to go, oh, there's totally, there's fruit on that tree. Right. And then uh, they see it in the distance, thinking there's fruit, only upon arrival, realizing like there's nothing nutritious there, like there's nothing good for me here. And that's such a like gut punch. And, and I pray that our churches 
are not those kinds of things or that uh, our ministries for young people and families are not those kinds of things where it looks promising in the distance and then upon arrival, there's nothing there for me. And so um, that's really like my final thought of just let's let, man, let's pray and let's do everything we can to have what we're rooted in and like what we're, what we are be so uh, fruitful and so alive and so good and healthy for anyone that comes up to it. Um, especially a non-believer because we can't just keep exchanging church people from church to church. We like, if someone who doesn't believe comes to our place of worship, I pray that they would find something so nutritious and good for their hearts and souls. So, um, that being said, it's kind of all over the place, but I'd love just to have some dialogue, talk a little bit, do some Q and A. So anybody? Andrew. Yes. Andrew, this is Dr. West here. I'm jumping in first. Got yeah, a come ton, on. got a, a ton of questions um, and would really benefit from your expertise. How, how, how are you training young people to deal with the onslaught of, of the digital world and the fact that they carry around in their pockets a, it, it, in, in essence, it's a drug, a, a distraction drug. That if they get even just a moment of boredom, they just whip that out and they're on that on that cell theme being right being distracted and getting a dopamine hit i'd love to hear what your thoughts how we can minister to our young people in a world <laughs> that is just so saturated with um, uh, with all of that it's tough it's hard because you can't well i i choose not to how about that i choose not to villainize phones Okay. Because like technology isn't going anywhere. And so if I just make this the bad guy, it's sort of like, like bringing, you know, um, whole brain thinking into your belief system. It's like, if I just villainize something, then it's us versus this thing. And I don't know that that's it. It's really me and constantly reintegrating uh, and adapting my faith and my health throughout whatever is happening in the world right okay now Good. i agree though that this thing is uh creating little crackheads and it's yeah. just it this is just dopamine hit after dopamine hit after dopamine hit and it just right um i don't know that i have it i don't have an answer for like here's what you do um i do know that just educating yourself about the realities of what um the role phones play in kids' lives um, and tag teaming with, with parents um, on, on like having healthy conversations about it. Cause I think a lot of parents are like out of sight, out of mind mm. with their kids' interactions with their phones. And it's like, uh, like I just heard this went, uh, it was like a viral Instagram story of this kid. Maybe you saw it. Uh, this mom who was, who saw that she was like real curious. Cause she could see like how the, the apps that her son used I'm like, wow, he's, 
like, this is weird. He's in his Bible app a lot. And you're like, oh, wow, so precious. And like, but like, no, he's in it a lot. Like he spent like eight hours on this, on his Bible app uh, one, one day last week, only to come to find out like him and this girl were using like a Bible app messaging and sending nude photos, you know? And so it's like, as past as pastors youth pastors whatever we we can't totally control the usage of phones and technology what we can do is really lean into tag teaming with parents on how to have conversations and like bring about that stuff because it's the home it's just empowering parents at the home is the best thing i could probably tell you um how do we how do we learn together how do we tag team together? How do we support each other? Um, I let's see. Um, I, I've got notes here about screenagers and kind of what happens to them. Um, th that's why, too, you know, like teenagers are so like oddly apathetic and anxious, and it's because they're not like developing healthy emotional scales like their core emotions because mm. uh, you'll see man they're scrolling and and i guess this would be me asking for like patience with them too and like they they scroll and they'll see two school shootings and then a funny dance video and then cute puppies and then an advertisement and then like trafficking and then like you know like you're you can't regulate your emotions when you're right so so they're they're kind of like emotionally stunted. And so anything, anything you can do in your churches that would support emotional intelligence, emotional expression, um, sitting in, uh, and feeling emotions, right. Uh, when you don't know what to feel that dude, anxiety, the anxiety snowball keeps going and going. And, and so, Anyway, long, a lot, too many words to say. No, Andrew, that was great. Yeah. You did exactly <laughs> what I was hoping you would do. Just kind of just give me your, imp your impressions. Uh, you yeah. came up with some things there that I just really appreciate. Screen ages. I've, I've not heard of that one before. <laughs> so I'm, I'm definitely will be using that. Don't villainize the phone. Um, yeah. Because it'll, it, you know, it'll just activate that orientation within young people to always want to do the opposite of what their parents are saying just to to prove their own individuality so that's um that's good good to know um and, well, and, and with, that, just with that real fast it's like integrate what a relationship with a phone looks like it's kind of like you know it's so hot button on whether like drinking is okay or not okay and we go so black and white this or that with life and it's like okay well what's your relationship with this if your relationship with alcohol is i need to be in an altered state of mind and you're prone to substance abuse like you got to really revisit your relationship with alcohol you know or and that could be anything maybe that's a good or bad example but like with a phone it's like we can't just make a phone a bad guy we have to yeah. go what is a relationship with this look like that keeps me guarded, keeps me healthy and keeps my life holy, you know? Um, anyway. That's, that's really good. The, the other thing that you said there, Andrew, 
um, is that the, the whole um, immediacy of scrolling, you know, like school shooting, you know, funny, funny dance video, school shooting puppies. Um, the only way the brain is able to metabolize that is, you know, that, that shifting, that incredible shifting from tragedy to funny to, you know, to heartwarming back to tragedy all within, you know, all within a minute is um, that the kid develops, the child develops a capacity to just skim, you know, it, it just, uh, they don't allow them, they, they train their emotions not to go deep, not to connect um, too far. It's just, it's all the surface uh, level cognitive processing um, so that when we, we want to come to them with a, a strong message, they've, or, or a, an important message, heartfelt message they've they've we're competing with brains that have been conditioned to skim and mm. and you've given me a lot of food to to think about uh food for thought um and and i if if you ever if you ever want to go so far as to write a book on on that subject of uh what you know what does a relationship uh, with the phone look like for, 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 for a Christian young person. Wow. That every, every parent and grandparent, I think would buy that book. Well, I don't, I'd be really intimidated to try to make those claims. Um, I do know I saw a guy on an airplane recently reading the book, uh, how to break up with your phone. And uh, I haven't read it yet, but I looked up uh, some things about it and I could probably recommend that as just like a resource for parents to start having like more detailed, healthy conversations with their kids about their phone. Yeah. Um, it's, Which by, is, uh, it's by Catherine Price, how to break up with your phone, how to break up with your phone. But that, but the, what, a, what I'm trying to figure out is abstinence. You know, breaking up with your phone is um, is a very black and white, and I'm not mm -hmm. sure the abstinence is going to work with right. young people on phones. I think it's like moderation. How do we teach? How do we how do we help our kids to be able to moderate yeah. that? Anyway, I've taken up too much time, but uh, Andrew, really appreciate your input. Yeah, thank you so much. All right. Any other questions, thoughts? I just realized that the chat has even been going. Totally forgot that was even a thing. Cheese fries for the win. <laughs> I'm just now seeing this. I've got a question for you, if you don't mind. Uh -huh. I'm curious about integration uh, and reverence as well. So I guess there's two questions. There's two thoughts I have in mind. One is how do we integrate not how, I mean, we kind of know the answer to that to, to some degree, but well, maybe I guess, okay. So I'm thinking out loud here. Sorry, de developing this question as I go. How is probably the right, the right question. Um, how is it that you go about integrating students with the whole of the church uh, in a world where what I've seen you know, and, and my personal opinion is we do too much segregation 
where we create churches within churches and then those many churches don't know how to integrate and they become the problem later because they have had everything delivered to them in the precise way that they communicate uh, using references that they like and that they understand. And so we have no idea how to get outside of ourselves and be a part of something that's bigger than that. So I'm curious about integration. And then uh, as church, I might sound, I don't know. I don't know how this is going to sound, uh, but I'm going to say as church moves more and more casual, uh, casual in, in how we speak, casual in how we dress, casual in our demeanor, uh, how is it, if at all, uh, that we maintain reverence within the, the youth setting? Because I think reverence is some, again, a personal opinion. I think reverence is something we are uh, moving away from and perhaps something we ought to think about uh, trying to restore. So t- two questions, I suppose. Yeah, those are really good. Um, you know, and these answers would be pretty off the cuff. But uh, as far as integration goes, a um, couple thoughts on that. I think that uh, one, your youth pastor, uh, you need to have someone on staff who has a heart for the house, right? Who isn't there to build their own little empire. You know, the youth ministry, it's, it is really easy for it to become its own little like parachurch, you know, and it run its own show and its own program. But um, getting the right people in that just have a heart for the house, like a heart for the local church and uh, are willing to to understand and process uh, at a larger level what's happening in the church, like your church, what the vision is, what the values are, and bringing those alive in a teenage or young adult context, right? So like we have some like family values and we have some um, just some different, uh, words that we use that comes from the top down and we go, okay, how do we take what Southeast Christian church is trying to do at a larger scale and bring that into teenage context? And so I think that's a big one. I think also too, that, uh, if the youth ministry, so, you know, there's some of the argument of like, well, you know, they, they get out of youth ministry and then they never come back to church because they don't know what to do. And, they, you know, they're away from it. Um, I think some of that comes from the youth ministry going too far off its leash. And uh, again, personal opinion, right? I'm not saying this is the right way, but I think that the youth service ought to loosely imitate what a Sunday service is like. Um, Now, with youth context, right, like you can still have a ton of fun. Um, The fun, though, doesn't need to be just fun for the sake of fun. Fun moments in youth ministry are to get walls down and, and to bring some comfort and belonging so that, you know, it's all with intention to encounter the Lord. And so, um, but, you know, whatever happens on your Sunday morning services, I think that that should be integrated into the youth services so it doesn't feel so different. Um, so it doesn't feel like this night and day thing, right? Um, at least that's what's that's what's worked for us. Like our kids love worship, man. And they're they're down to pray. And we do, we just do really similar things that their families and the, like the rest of the church is doing um 
and then as far as like reverence goes um I think we've got to do a really good job asking ourselves, what is the reverence for? Like, what do we revere in revering God and being okay with um, some, with a healthy amount of disruption from how things, from how we feel things ought to be. Cause I think uh, we all have this picture of this is what I see this is how I think it should look and go and do. And then something comes in that isn't like that. And we're met with a chance to choose how we treat that thing or person or incident. Um, I think, oh, what? I, I forget I even have an office phone and it's literally ringing right now. Sorry. Um, so... I don't know, man. I think I think I would just really lean into pick which battles you want to fight when it comes to those things. Um, I I I would rather work through having a dress code conversation uh, in a in a really gentle way, like with someone who genuinely like. Right now we got we got girls on our on our worship team who every now and then wear something and I'm like what is wrong with you? I didn't even know they made shirts that small. Right? And uh uh but I don't want to make their experience with us all about what they look like and what they wear because their heart for worship is so like sincere and good. And so if I can lean into your spiritual walk and lean into your faith walk and have the majority of our conversations be about those things, honestly, like, you could call it sanctification, like, like sanctification kind of works itself out. If I just keep calling you closer and closer to the Lord. And that's where I say, like, like, I, I don't know, like, my job isn't behavior modification, if that makes sense. And so I don't, I don't know, I, I, I don't know if this is even going in the same thought that you were going in with reverence and being casual. Um, so correct me if I'm totally off. On that. Oh, no, no, it's kind of a vague, that's the thing. It wasn't a very specific or pointed question, but um, I mean, yeah, you're touching on it. I just, I just have been convicted as of the past couple of years in my life that you know reverence is such a big deal in the scriptures and revering god right not revering a certain dress code not revering um things that we usually deploy to show respect and show reverence in our culture like taking your hat off when you pray or whatever like you know that that used to be a thing you did to revere to show reverence and i'm just curious uh, one of the things that i've been thinking a lot about lately is how we how do we revere God in a world where there really isn't much reverence unless you're talking about, you know, LGBTQ, we have tons of reverence for LGBTQ, um, AIP. That's like our, our new cultural kind of God. I'm, I'm getting told, I'm going totally off track here, but there's very little that is off limits to touch or to mock or to treat casually. Uh, and I mean, the, 
Yeah, like like the guy defecating on the on the pride flag in New York City. You cannot disrespect that, but everything else can be disrespected. And so the answer to all of these things is we as we draw near to God, our phone becomes less of, of, of an issue, right? As we draw near to God, we, we naturally flow towards reverence more. And so obviously that needs to be at the center of all of it, but it's just something on my mind. I'm not even bringing any clarity, right? To, sure. to the question. It's a thought. I was curious as to what your thoughts were on it. Yeah. Um, and I that think, was- uh, just like, as you're speaking, like, I don't know, man, I just encourage you to model it. Just, yeah. just model it because trying to compete, uh, for what occupies someone's mind and attention and, and it's, it's, you're not going to fist fight culture, right? But you can model how in love with the Lord you are and leading from that place will bring more people into that place. Yeah, that's well said. Cool. Um, one more question. Well, I would love to use those few minutes to pray. Um, First, I want to say that I'm so grateful that this is a place that we can have real discussion. I'm so grateful, Andrew, that you've joined us today as we've just been talking about different ministries in the church and how to wrestle with those, how to talk through those, how to have a heart to want to do them to the best that we can in each of our churches and cultures and locations and church sizes and just really thankful for you guys and how real this group is. And uh, if we can maybe have Dr. West pray for us, cover these ministries in prayer over the next few minutes, and then don't forget to join us next week as we're talking about uh, the, our last ministry we're going to be talking about, which is generosity. Andrew, appreciate you so much so much of our staff goes southeast loves you thanks for loving on the kids of all of our staff here yeah absolutely thank you guys for letting me come in and do this let me lead you in prayer father god we've come to the end of another session uh being with each other and edifying each other and and learning and lord god thank you so much for what you uh, are doing in and through andrew's life thank you for Uh, giving him the capacity to articulate the very complicated world of uh, ministry with the young people. And Lord, just thank you that you have saved him for such a purpose. And we're so uh, blessed to be on the journey uh, with him as we are leading uh, young people within our own context. Father God, we ask for your blessing as we go from this place out into the rest of our week to continue to disciple people, to know what it is to live fully integrated lives with your Holy Spirit. Lord, thank you for the Solomon Foundation that you are using um, every moment of every day to build uh, practical uh, solutions for, uh, for the kingdom work that you've called us to. Lord God, we love you, and we're grateful that your spirit goes with each one of us now, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Have a good week.